0: Fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and some flights podcast. I'm Nelson. And I am Dalton. And tonight we got an interesting kind of topic for you. We're talking about virtual games because, you know, now that we live so far away, we're doing a lot more virtual gaming. So we thought we would kind of talk about the good, the bad, the ugly all around virtual games. So I'm excited for this one. This one's, uh, I think, going to be a really interesting topic for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like something that was kind of like done in emergency when COVID hit. And now it seems something that like, well, now that we kind of know how to do this, maybe we should continue, right? And there's a lot of people who are kind of like taking it forward. So it's like, okay, now that we're doing this, not just like in an emergency, we're going to seriously do it all the time. Yeah. It becomes becomes a pretty core topic for us, I think.
1: Yeah. It's definitely like kind of conference calls or like video conferencing at work. Like everyone was forced to learn how to do it. Now- that we're kind of back <laughs> back to normal. I, I I don't know if that's the correct term, but back to being right. in person. People are more apt to oh, we'll just, you know, hop on the video call or whatever. But Right. Yeah. Right. But we are drinking tonight, so we uh we do have our flight section. So Dalton, what
0: can you you want to tell me what's on your flight tonight? So I'm continuing to just kind of explore local breweries now that I'm in a different location. So this is a Longmont brewery, Longmont, Colorado's where I'm living. Um, it's called oh, cool. Wibby, Wibby Brewing, W-I-B-B-Y. <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun name. And Wibby specializes in lagers. Um So they basically only make lagers, which is like super like unusual for American breweries, right? We talked about this a little bit in our yeah. beer episode that Nelson led, but ales are significantly easier to make. And so a lot of microbrews were kind of focused there. Um, Wibby said, no, screw that. We're going to make uh, loggers because we think they're cool. Um, and so <laughs> that's like, that's their main thing.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, right. I, when someone said that, they're like, oh, if you really like loggers, you should go to Whitby. And I was like, but why? And they're like, oh, because that's all they do. And it's like, okay, then I will definitely go there. Yeah. Like, Be good at one thing, right? Yes. <laughs> and they have done that.
1: Kind of um, like so we're very I'm, good at board games, books, bourbon, and beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like us. Just when It's one really big thing. We're good at, you know, our lifestyle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway so i am drinking a dunkel um we didn't talk too much about dunkels but dunkels are like a malted version of a lager
1: interesting okay
0: yeah this is their double dunkel um it is brewed with yes so it's an imperial dunkel um (laughs) 7.5 percent um 31 ibu um it has it's brewed with some chocolate malt and then it's lagered on madagascar vanilla beans so fancy
1: oh yeah
0: this is a this is a really good beer. This is this beer is delicious. It, it has this like really nice malty flavor that comes through. It's not like quite so like overpowering, you know. It's not like fruitcake malty, but it is like a nice nutty maltiness that's coming in. Um, I mean, it has a little bit of like bitterness coming in but it's again that's 31 ipus it's it's very it's not like a like a coffee bitter and it's not quite like an ipa bitterness but you can taste like a little bit of hoppiness and then it has like this characteristic like crisp smoothness that you expect from um from lagers
1: yeah that that sounds interesting it like typically the lagers kind of what we were talking about in the beer episode are just that crisp i've never really had a malted lager before so i'm interested i'm excited to try it when i come out to visit
0: yeah i've had dunkles before And you can, they're again, more common in, I don't know the full, like uh, the full history of them or whatever, but they're definitely more common in um, like the colder parts of Europe um, where they want to make loggers, but they want to make these like nice, sweet, wintry type of loggers, right? And so that's kind of like the the spot that a nice dunkel can fit in. Um, And so I've had them before, this one especially, like I said, it's just, it's easily my favorite that I've had, because I've had a couple from like different microbreweries, but this one, I think maybe just their specialty or, you know, their knowledge around the style has has just really kind of helped this one shine. That's Um, awesome. This one's definitely a four cheers for me.
1: Good job, yeah. Go team. Fortune. I know that's like two or three in a
0: row now. We're, yeah. we're been like really killing it.
1: I tried out a couple of different stuff like while while we were on like our kind of summer break, and I'm bringing all the ones that I really liked back.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. That's a good way to yeah, think of it. I think I'm doing a bit of the same. I'm thinking I might switch back to whiskey in the next like episodes because um, I'm kind of was able to highlight a couple of the beers that I really liked. And now I've picked up a couple whiskeys that I want to share this, but but yeah, I, I wanted to, since we recently had the beer episode, we haven't had a ton of vloggers on the podcast just in general. Um, I wanted to take an opportunity, take the opportunity to talk about this one.
1: Yeah, that's super awesome. What about you? What's on your flight tonight? So I have I have an IPA on my flight tonight, I mean, obviously. But this is an IPA that's a little bit more mainstream than a lot of the beers that we've drank on the podcast before. This is from Elysium. It's the Space Dust IPA. And so, yeah, nice. yeah so this is an IPA that I, I really enjoy. It's a four cheers for me because every time I see it, well, it used to be every time I see it, I would buy it. And it was a lot harder to find than it is now. And now almost you can find it almost yep. anywhere. And so I was at Kroger the other day and I saw it. I was like, you know what? I I haven't had this on the podcast before. I really love this beer. It's heftier. It's around like an 8.2 APV. Um, so I mean, it's got some kick to it, but it's kind of balanced out with. It's not super bitter. It does have higher IBUs at a seventy three, but it, it's balanced out. It's sweet. You get some fruity flavors coming in. It, it's it's easier to drink multiple of them <laughs> than gotcha. than something yeah. that's usually you know that high of an IBU.
0: Yeah. So that's a little dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> it really is, yeah.
1: Yeah, for how heavy it is, it's really smooth. I, I kind of looked it up because I was interested. So the the name comes from, so Space Dust comes from when it was first brewed back in 2012. There were some, like, leftover galaxy hops that they had, like, dust from the galaxy hops that they, like, kind of just, like, spontaneously threw into the brew. <laughs> and and that's kind of, you know, galaxy hops, Space Dust. That's kind of where the name came from. But they, they okay. have since, like, switched out the uh, galaxy hops for... Um, Emeretto hops so that gotcha. <laughs> the, the namesake didn't really carry over to, <laughs> to to the current product but i mean it's a it's a really good beer I, I recommend checking it out especially if you are if you if you like ipas you'll you'll like this if you're trying if you're starting to drink more ipas and want to try a little bit of a heavier one i think that this is a good choice uh for, gotcha. for people to try out so but that's yep. space dust by elysium
0: very cool. Yeah, it's one that um, I know I've seen at your house a lot. I've seen a lot over the years, and um, and you're right, has become. Uh, it's sort of like Zombie Dust or something like that, where it was one of these IPAs that people started to really like, and so then they started to really just put out a lot of it and really focus on it. Because I don't even know that I've had anything else from Elysium.
1: I don't recall. It, it wouldn't surprise me if I had. It wouldn't surprise me if I hadn't. <laughs> it's yeah. not a brewery yeah. that I seek out
0: for sure. But but it seems like now you you can you can find that one, um, that one pretty readily. So yeah yeah. yeah. What about um, let's start with you on the on the table section tonight? I feel like I start pretty often. So, <laughs> what's uh, what's been on your on your table recently?
1: Yeah, so I've had a couple of games on my table, but there's two that I kind of really wanted to highlight today that I wanted to talk about a little bit more. The first one is a game called Pipeline. I didn't really think about it because theme doesn't really like play into a lot of what I'm thinking about of the game but someone mm-hmm. like commented on Instagram and they're like that's kind of a weird theme like but you're an oil company refining oil like <laughs> so he's like yeah. why don't we just as have a chemical another? engineer that
0: hits a little too close to home <laughs> mean, <right? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the moral implications yeah. are a little uncomfortable yeah.
1: he goes why don't we just have a game like burning down the ra- Amazon rainforest or something it's like oh yeah that's tough <laughs> 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 right. Megan tons of carbon dioxide emitted <laughs> is your victory point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so this is a game that was designed by Ryan Courtney, published by Capstone Games, which they, they've done like Maracaibo and stuff. And then the art specifically is by Ian O'Toole, who is the one who does all the, like the Lacerda titles. So yeah. amazing we art. really like really, Ian O'Toole. Yeah, yeah. Really beautiful. This is a interesting economic game because it has some like ast- abstract shape, like connection point type things that kind of like okay are are not in an economic game that i've normally played and so what you're doing this is your favorite mechanic (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Uh, well what you what you have to do is you're basically buying these pipeline tiles which are like one by two grids and there are three different colors of pipes and you're trying to like make the longest pipe possible and like these all of the pipe tiles are different colors and different shapes different links and they just kind of you're just trying to put all it's like a big puzzle that you're trying to build build out
0: wait you said they're one by two grids
1: or i'm sorry it's like a one by two tile so okay like it's twice like as it's long just a double tile is. basically it's a double tile yeah yeah it would be like a carcassonne tile but it's like two carcassonne tiles stuck together and yeah, the sense okay. of like a carcassonne tile always will match with something else mm-hmm. right like they're always the same points it always goes out at the at the same spots on the tile so you can like match right. them up you just have to figure out and optimize how you're going to get, you know, this weird turn to come in and connect to your other orange pipes. And so gotcha. it's yeah. like this spatial element that is lacking in a lot of heavier economic games, um, mm-hmm. at least that I have played. So that, that was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was, I thought it was weird. It was, I think what I liked about it, it was not hard to make a, a pipeline like a, a decent pipeline. It was hard to make a good pipeline. So like you could still okay. play the game and be successful in the game if you're like me and the spatial element just wasn't there, right? I have a really hard time picturing that when I'm when I'm playing games, I have to pick things up and move them around. I just cannot mm-hmm. visibly see how that would connect into the existing infrastructure. And so I, I really enjoyed that part where I could be subpar in my building of, the, of my pipelines, but still be competitive in the game.
0: Yeah, that's nice. How did kind of like the economic portion of the game kind of fit in yep so
1: what you're doing is it's it's a worker placement game and what you need or what you're doing is you're buying like crude oil and based on how long your pipeline is is basically how much you can refine the oil into one of three higher grades and so the highest grade sells for the most money and what you're doing is you're trying to Uh, Fulfill different contracts or different orders that the the board has out and you can also just sell them back to the market If you sell them back to the market, so say I sell a level one blue oil back to the market It gives me a price. I take that money, but then that level one blue crude oil is available for someone else to buy and so okay. if they have the infrastructure to take that level one to a level three, it may be beneficial for them to go to that market, buy that level one oil that I had just sold, and then take it to a level gotcha. three to fulfill an order or to sell it back at a higher at a higher rate.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a nice like physical representation of like supply and demand, right? There's a lot of different ways that like supply and demand gets like implemented into economy games. That sounds like just kind of a nice like... Clean, straightforward. Like you physically either have it there or you don't, and other players can put it there and take <laughs> yep. it away. And like that's the, that's the economy. And
1: to kind of go off the supply and demand, after each round, which I believe that there were like there are three rounds that are progressively shorter. But after each round, you take away some of the goods that have been sold, and then add more crude oil to the market. And so mm-hmm. they do play a little bit with what's available after each round, which which was interesting. The market. I've only played this game one time. I just want to preface whatever I'm, I guess yeah. not preface, I we're halfway through talking about it, but I just want to say <laughs> that, that I, I've only played it one time. And so it did take us about halfway through the game to like, be like, Oh, and it kind of clicked for us. And so I'm really excited to try yeah. it out again.
0: Yeah. Was it just the two of you?
1: No, we played with three. So I played at a family reunion. And so there, there were okay. three of us that played, which I do think that it, it is a better game with more than two players. Uh, just yeah. from looking at it. But the, the market aspect really wasn't as prevalent as I wanted it to be. So okay. I don't think we ever bought a oil that someone else had sold back to the market. And maybe that's just Aww. us being bad players. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it, Still, it, that's it, a bit
0: disappointing though, right? Like that feels like that's kind of the point of the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I don't know if that was just like we were just so focused in like, okay, I need to build my pipeline. I know what my pipeline can do. To take crude to whatever level I needed to, and then worry about it later. I don't. I don't know if that was kind of it. My other, my other kind of critique about the game is that there are four randomized scoring or three randomized scoring objectives every game, with one Uh constant scoring objective, which which is really cool. I like that a lot. But the (laughs) the starting game that has you choose like the however many like the three that you they suggest you start with. um, One of those actually makes it so that it's worse to sell your oil than just hold on to your oil. So like you can sell like a top grade oil for fifty five during the game, and then if you have a top grade oil at the end of the game, it's worth thirty. So you're losing twenty five. Mm-hmm. But the starting objective scores that again, and so like it's worth sixty instead of fifty five. And like I was just dumb. Like oh, I was, <laughs> I gotcha.
0: Like, it just kind of like undoes itself a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it, it yeah. was actually like I I made a move at the end of the game where like I f- fulfilled an order and actually lost like 20 points because of that if I just Jeez. didn't take that action I which was just kind of weird I, I thought that was kind of
0: weird but I mean there's a deck yeah of- it, that's like a that's a miss that's a you're right that that is a gap in game design right like players in general should not be rewarded for doing nothing like you should be able to interface and interact with the game and get rewarded for that because that's fun, right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I recognize, like, yeah, in strategy games where you're attacking people, yeah, okay, there's there's definitely times where it's, like, not attacking. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, in this style game, that's, like, it's less interactive. It's an economy game, so there's interaction through that, but it's less interactive in general than, like, uh, than, like a dudes-on-a-map style game. I, I shouldn't be rewarded for just not playing the game.
1: <laughs> right, and I think that that... Scoring objective would be much more interesting if it wasn't recommended for the starting game, right? Because you need to mm. sell oil throughout the game because you need money to do more things, right? So, like, it right. only penalizes you on the last turn, right? If, if you're holding yeah. on because of time value of money, if you're holding on to that oil for rounds thinking that you're going to score five more points, you're losing money because you can use that money yeah. to make more points. But for the first game that they recommend you play with, why do that (laughs) right just pick something else like make whoever has the longest pipe gets extra points or something like that like it yeah it was was just kind of weird but there's like a deck of about 20 of those cards and so you randomize them which i think is just really cool and adds a lot of variety to the game so i i'm excited to i'm excited to try it again i think it's it's not like my first play was interesting i i enjoyed it i think kind of thing (laughs) or like i i you know i look back on it it's like i think i will enjoy this game <laughs> yeah it was kind of one yeah. of those and a, and a lot of the heavier games kind of are like that for me sometimes they can and so be, yeah I, i'm excited to try it more it's gorgeous yeah. it's straight up gorgeous too so
0: really that's actually very surprising to hear to be honest
1: <laughs> i mean it's you tool so
0: <laughs> well i mean yeah that's that's true you're right it is Eno Tool. but like Eno tool can draw refineries pretty i guess i shouldn't be surprised by that but like a part of me is like refineries yeah. are hideous <laughs>
1: and like now that i'm thinking about it i guess like the prettiness is like the sky which is all different colors which is pollution
0: so now, maybe... <laughs> so it's pretty if you don't think about it too hard yeah don't look too apparently but like
1: i right now <laughs> nelson's I have... like pretty
0: colors are pretty <laughs> pretty yay <laughs> i like the colors <laughs> i have an orange pipe i have a green pipe this game is pretty <laughs> i like it so i want to i want to I wanna back up a little bit you guys said you said that you guys did not use the market mechanic a ton of like if i sell something into the market usually players weren't buying that to me that sounds like that if i sell it into the market that basically creates an opportunity for a player right, right. there's now this new opportunity that they hadn't considered before and the reason that they may not take that is, be- is because one, they may just not know the game well enough to recognize the value of that opportunity, right? So like you said, they're going to just like stick with their strategy um, or that they felt like their strategies were not flexible enough to actually be able to take advantage of that opportunity. In other words, that the game is designed in such a way that to take advantage of that opportunity would be more costly than it was kind of worth because they have to like turn their engine into something it's really not designed to do. I guess like, so which of those do you think it kind of was is it a game design issue or is it a players don't know the game well enough to value this correctly issue
1: i think it was a players don't know the game well enough to value because the the process of refining oil is pretty interesting in the fact that like you rent like for each step that you need to take it to the next level so from a level zero to a level one a level one to a level two you need to process it through I think, I think the lower end is like three pipe links and the higher end is seven pipe links of okay. um, of the same color pipe. And those are all randomized. So you can have like the blue oil this game takes like three, three, seven. So it's going to take three to get it to a level one, three to get it to level two, and seven to get it to a level uh, three. And so okay. I think that that is just like a really cool opportunity. If you have players that are looking at, you know, I can... I. I you know, I've really built out these blue pipes so that you know, it takes seven to get it to that higher level so players aren't necessarily building out their blue pipe infrastructure so that they can get it. So they're, they're selling it at the level two and you can capitalize on that opportunity to buy that level two and take it to a level three. Um, uh-huh. So I think there's that, but I think it also has to do with like, you need to be good at building your infrastructure of pipes because the markets on the board that you can sell to There are two types of oil that can be sold to that market. And so if you're not taking an action to go to that market to buy that oil, then it's hard to take an action, which are limited in this game, very limited in this game, Mm -hmm. to go out of your way to take an action to buy there if there's nothing else there that you want to buy
0: or sell. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how it like face value to a novice player, how that would seem like a really high expense for for an oil that it's like i can go make that myself i'll just make my own engine to make that or whatever. right and so it,
1: it felt very siloed the first play i do think that once people understand the value on how to do that there's like a tech tree in the game and so okay. that was very underutilized in our game just because there's already so much going on that we just kind of like we'll <laughs> we'll figure this out later type thing yeah and so i'm yeah, gonna let
0: that one go for now
1: yeah 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 and a lot of the options on the tech tree really start to mess with all of that. And so I think once you understand the tech tree, understand the options available to you, then it gets a lot more interactive in that sense.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, I guess, reviewing that that game with us. I, I would be excited to try it. I think we're kind of leaning, you and I have been over maybe the last year, leaning more into economy games and kind of figuring out that that's something that, an area that we both really enjoy. So I'm definitely excited to try it. I know that you had a second, at least, yeah, second yeah, game yeah. that you wanted to kind of go over today.
1: Yeah, so the other the other thing that I wanted to talk about was a game that we have already discussed on this podcast, which is uh, "On Mars" by Vitalis Lacerda, who is and also illustrated by Ian O'Toole. So uh, another gorgeous game. But I just played "On Mars." I finished up a game about I don't know, like three hours ago, um, and I just wanted to kind of like revisit that and talk about how like overwhelming that game is at first, but then. Once, once I've played, I think I've played four or five times now, and understanding mm-hmm. how everything interacts, it is a beautiful designed game. It just works. Like, everything feels yeah. so smooth. There's so there's a lot going on, so it is a huge teach. Like, it's by far the heaviest game in my collection. I think it's sitting at, like, a 4.6 on BGG. So, like, it's, mm-hmm. whereas, like, I think Through the Ages is, like, a 4.4 4 or something. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. like it's more than that. It's more than through the ages, which is a, right. another big game. But once you kind of get your head wrapped around everything, um how awesome of an experience that game is because it really yeah. feels like everything that you're doing is so intertwined with other players. So like if I'm if I have a scientist that specializes in water, like distillation or I forgot the term in the game that how my opponent's play really affects what I can do then. And so Mm. that's really cool. But then I also wanted to highlight it because right now on Kickstarter, there's the first expansion for the game is out. And so that's called Alien Invasion. Just in case you needed it to
0: be bigger.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) yep. So we kind of talked about this in our expansions episode, which is another reason why I wanted to touch on it. It adds content to the game, but really what it's doing is it's adding different modes to play. And so now there's a fully cooperative mode that you can play. There's a, uh, a one versus all mode that you can play, and then they're adding a true solo mode into it. And so that's really the okay. core of the expansion It kind of like changing the way that the entire game plays, not necessarily like adding just more stuff into it. And so I'm really excited mm-hmm. to try this because it, it is such a hefty game that I think it's going to be a really interesting cooperative puzzle to, to try and figure out. Mm-hmm. but that that expansion is currently on kickstarter i think by the time that this podcast releases there's going to be about seven or eight days left in that campaign and so oh, okay if you want to you can go check it out but i mean i i Do i know was has it funded yes i i was i was able to fund it before it was funded so it oh, funded cool. in like a couple minutes. So <laughs> But I, I, I got in there. It's like, you know, the people who type first in the YouTube comments or whatever. <laughs> like, yes. But but yeah, it's kind of cool. Like I think it, it needed like seventy five thousand to fund and I funded it like seventy three. So <laughs> nice. Nice. So I my my contribution actually mattered is what I'm trying to That's say. <laughs> 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 yeah. You can go fund it, but it won't matter. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the hard Here's work the that part. I put in.
0: That's right. You you really <laughs> put the team on your back there.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm really excited. It has like these really like cool like alien meeples and stuff. I cool. don't actually know a lot about it. I just am really excited. One for the fully cooperative mode. I don't necessarily think I would play it true solo. I think at this point in my yeah. life, if I'm playing a solo game, it's going to be Champions or Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, I'm also intrigued. I want to try it one time. Uh, before I pass any judgment on it, but the one versus all seems super interesting. Um, Those games can be very mean, I think, if the one player probably knows the game a lot better. Than all the other players, especially like in this world that we live in where there's a plethora of games to choose from, if someone's right. playing that one player, they probably are teaching at least one other person at the table. And so yep. I'm interested to see how that kind of works out. Like, does everyone need to be at the same skill level or anything like that? Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I wonder if the one versus all.
0: Is it a way that you can kind of adjust or control the difficulty a little bit so that you yeah. can yeah. be the That'd one be player where everybody else doesn't know what they're doing, um, but everybody can still have a have a really good time?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I I hope that that is the case, but I guess we will see. It's, I think it's expected to deliver in June of 22, so okay. that means it will be here in September of 23. Um,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> no. <nah. laughs> For sure. Well, that, that is exciting, and it's exciting to, to hear that they are... I guess adding in a smart way, expanding in a smart way um, that they're going to take the backbone of the game and kind of maintain that, but be able to give you a different experience with it instead yeah. of getting adding to a content to a game that's a 4.6, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. as much as I love Twilight Imperium, it's like, do I really need more like, content <laughs> every time they, ex- they release an expansion?
1: And, and it so. turns out, yes. Yes, you do. So, All right, I do. Most people <laughs> don't, but <laughs> that's fair, but.
0: But yeah, I'm excited to try this one too because it is one that is high on your ranking of board games that is yeah. unplayed for me. And there's only, you know, there's only like one or two things that really cleanly fit into that category right. of, of games that you love that I have not played.
1: Right. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been playing. I am really interested and excited to try On Mars with you. I think that, I, I guess this is a, a, a good segue into the icebreakers. I think it is one that you probably need to play in a physical. Uh, at least for mm. your first time it, yeah. there's so many moving parts which i think is detrimental in a virtual game which we'll, we'll we'll get to but we did have an icebreaker last episode the fireside which you you gave to us which was um what are what are some of the things you like and dislike about game nights and so yeah. we we put that question out there to the uh to the internet and it got right. some responses so i, I want to go through some of those responses because I think they're kind of interesting and that I think will guide us right into our topic for tonight. Okay. So, okay. Do you want to start with what people like or what people dislike about game night? Um, Let's start with the good. Okay. I like Good news it. first. Yeah. Good yeah. news first. Yep. So, so we got a good, a couple of good responses. Uh, we'll start out with one of our, one of our friends, the bad, mad board gamer who is part of the
0: gateway network. Ooh, <laughs> the bad um, board gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say bad? <laughs> well, you said bad and then corrected it, but oh. it's just funny to think of him as that. <laughs> yeah, we our our friend, the bad board gamer. We invite him over because we like to have somebody to beat.
1: <laughs> Oops, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but so the mad board gamer uh, said creating memories and in the inside jokes. One hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, CP Wilson for gaming with jamming and all right seven or all rith seventy two. Um, they all kind of had the same answer of spending time with friends, which I yeah. That, that is my favorite part of it. Um, For sure. Dub and Dub Games said dominating the competition. Duck, Duck Blossom said epic wins and not knowing exactly who is going to win. Which I think, is, which is really great when a huh. game can do that, when you don't know yep. who the winner is until the end of the game, and our game with like our game of on Mars was like this today. So going into in-game scoring, I think I was at 41 points and my wife was at six points, and she ended up winning, which was insane. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was awesome. TT Tabletop said the interactions, just like being physically present with the interactions of everybody. Uh, board game compendium said the spontaneous laughter when someone makes a dumb move or like <laughs> funny trash talk. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that kind of
0: gets back to like some of the like inside jokes, right? From right, mad board gamer, yeah. like you know <laughs> that those those really dumb uh, those really dumb moves can definitely can definitely make that happen.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, baking and board games, which is an awesome channel uh, or an awesome uh, account to go go take a look at. Uh, they said spending time with friends and snacks and. <laughs> so true. The snacks are, the snacks are great. Yeah. Uh, Swoozle said, being able to take your mind off everything else that's going on in the world and enjoy the moment. And I thought that was a really good answer because yeah. that's something absolutely. that I struggle with. I think like I, for whatever my just personality is, I'm always thinking about 10 million different things and yeah. I'm trying to be more present. And I think game mm-hmm. night is a really good area and a, like a, a healthy environment to do that. And so, yeah,
0: absolutely. To kind of practice that in.
1: Yeah. And then um, this, the great Gomi kind of spanned the likes and dislikes. So I wanted to read both of his to transition us into the dislikes. So sure. the thing that he likes is actually having one, which yeah. And the things okay. that he dislikes is not having one. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair so, enough. Fair, yeah,
0: exactly. So
1: we got less so, responses yeah. for the dislikes um, because oh, Game okay. people is like awesome. talking about the warm yeah. and funny
0: Warm and fuzzies. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, Board to Death podcast said explaining the rules, which I think we had kind of talked about a little bit in our, in our fireside episode. Amram um, said how fast they seem to end. Um, yeah, which was kind of similar to what the, the bad board gamer said, Uh, (laughs) Um I'm I'm sorry, mad board gamer, mad board gamer said when they end. And so like, you know, just the conclusion of them. So I guess not necessarily what you dislike about game night. It's the ending of the game night, which... 100 yeah. percent agree with there
0: there's a good point that like game nights can be really hard to for like yes hard to schedule but like really hard to know like how long to schedule for right yeah. because yeah you're really. like well h- how what games are we going to play like how long might those take how long how many games do we want to be able to play like i think like roughly six o'clock is like when a lot of people will try to start you know if it's yep. like on a like a friday night or something and then just kind of let it go to like whenever it goes but that like that hits both of those right how people are like oh it ended too soon but it also like you can definitely drag on and be like okay i'm really tired and i feel like i should really go home <laughs> yeah something. No, so that's there's fair. definitely a bit of a balance there
1: that's fair and i guess that can kind of be balanced with if you ha- are able to have multiple tables with varying game lengths that's nice yeah. because like if you're feeling a little bit tired at 9 and someone's putting down a 3 hour game what what do you do yeah. at that point so if you can table a 3 hour game and then on the second table have code names or, or something that is easy to come in and out of i think that that can be combated a little bit but yeah it's definitely a trap that i've fallen into before
0: <laughs> yeah that's also some uh, downside that we didn't discuss yet um is they can be very siloed at times right where like we yeah. sit down at a table and we play i don't know brass birmingham and that takes a certain amount of time and then this other table it, they decided to play you know I don't know, Terraforming Mars or Grickle or something. It takes like some slightly different amount of time. And then you end up in this awkward situation of like, okay, how long do you guys have? Like, is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Should we like play a different major game? Should we play like something, you know, we we always pick up those filler games, right? King Domino, like something just to kind of like edge us over, you know, the mind or something just to like keep us going until like this other table ends and mix the tables up. But we've all, I think, definitely ended up there where it's like, okay, I sit down at a game night I have a couple of people at my table that are like familiar, and maybe like one or two guys that I actually really don't like and would prefer not to spend <laughs> time with. Um, and I'm kind of like wary of that of like, am I going to get trapped here? Like, I'm going to spend the whole night with this dude, and he's going to just uh, drive me crazy all night.
1: Which you know? Which category am I in? Just curiosity.
0: <laughs> um, anyways, do we have another
1: uh, <laughs> crap? I'm running yeah, out of I'll things move, to dive with.
0: Yeah, move on. Move on. Um, no, obviously, I, I love like that's the ideal, right? You sit down with like. Um, with i think like when it comes to you like it's like yeah i would love to sit down and play games with nelson but nelson and i also sit down and play games all the time just by ourselves at like a larger game night how much time do i want to spend like just with nelson right who i know really want well, how much time do i want to spend like socializing right, right. that same kind of thing of like i i would love to play a game with you on a given game night it sucks if i walk away from a game night and i haven't played a game right yeah um, but i also don't necessarily want to just get siloed with you and play games that we play all the time together all night you know yeah then i kind of nope. feel like i missed out on an opportunity
1: yep nope totally agree with that Yeah. So a couple more Bo forty eight fifteen said getting everyone focused to start. So (laughs) I'm I'm interested because like, I, like, I think that the, the issues that we have had is more trying to figure out a game to play, but I think Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of gunning to play the game. So I I would be interested to attend one of these game nights that, that Bo is having to see (laughs) how he corrals people, um, to, to start, to start a game. Um, Gaming with Jamin said, "People when people are bad sports, um, that's always that's yeah. always a downer." Trivia yeah. Geek said, "Needing to be the one to teach the rules all the time." So they said that they are in their group. They are consistently looked at the person who knows the rules and will always know the rules. And so mm. while that 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 is what people are, it can be a burden. It can be very tiring after a while. Duck Duck Blossom said, "Waiting their turn in a Euro game." Which yeah, one hundred
0: percent. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the are you ending up in a game night where like how what percentage of the night are you actually playing? Right, We've right. already, we've already yeah. talked about the teach part, um, but that if you are playing a lot of larger games that have a lot of downtime, you can end up walking away from the game like or the night saying feeling like oh I spent like fifteen minutes playing board games tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a really good point. Um, Alrith seventy two said getting canceled at the last minute, which always sucks. Um, yeah. but the introverts in me, like kind of not, not necessarily for game nights, but like I'm always kind of, there's a little part of me that always hopes that plans get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, Oh, I do want to do this, but if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I mean, right, right.
0: would that be the worst thing in the world?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then the last response that we got, I think is the perfect transition into our topic of virtual game nights from CP Wilson Four. he said losing, but really they really hate putting away the game at the end of the night, especially if they're hosting or something. Um, because a lot of these big games can take th- I, uh, 30 minutes, maybe an exaggeration, but like 15 minutes to like yeah. set up or tear down. And like those add up, especially if you're playing multiple games. And if it's yeah. the last game of the night, like I know, especially if we've gone like really far into the night, like it's 1130 midnight. It's like people right. want to kind of get out. And I, I've been like, Hey, like guys like leave, like, it's yeah. late. You guys have to drive, I'll, it's I'll, no I'll, big deal. Yeah, I'll put it away. But I really don't enjoy setting up and tearing down games. That, that's one of the yeah. things I just don't like, which right. is really nice about virtual games. You don't have to do that.
0: But yeah, definitely, that's a really good point. Um, the like That would probably be one of the major benefits, right, actually, of, uh, of virtual gaming is like, okay, it's going to, three things is going to set up for me. Um, during the game, a lot of them will automate things for you, right? Yep. Um, so scorekeeping, things that are very tedious that you just just don't want to deal with or whatever, like a lot of times that's scripted or automated for you, which is really nice. And then like, okay, everybody's done. Then you just log off and (laughs) yeah, it gets virtually deleted and you never care again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's out there somewhere in the internet, but I never have to worry about it again. I, I think that this benefit is amplified on some of the more tedious games in the sense of like, it'll set everything up. But then like to the inverse of that, I think tedious games are harder to play in the virtual space so Mm. i think that's kind of interesting like there's a there's a nice balance of when a app or an application or the the game itself can kind of um, automate some of that That that's really nice i think but really just mainly just never needing to clean up you can just turn off the computer and go home so right i I think that's that's one of my favorite things about virtual game nights so when we're talking about virtual games right there. I think that that can kind of be a lot of different things, right? That that can describe a lot of different methods of play. What were kind of the the main ideas that you had in your head when you thought about virtual gaming? Like like apps or tabletop simulator. Yeah. What what were you kind of thinking about? What were you structuring this discussion around?
0: Yeah, I think we're probably going to cover both. I think we're we're looking both at Uh, apps um, that that could be like a mobile app that also could be an implementation on a computer you know some sort of some sort of software interface Um, and we can talk about some of the benefits of that and then also um, you know tabletopia or um, tabletop simulator um, which are more of just a uh, it's right in the name right it's it's more of just a simulator I mean it's just physically uploading the game so that you can play it in a virtual space they will have things that are often scripted for you which is helpful but the the interface is going to be just set. It's going to basically look like you're sitting at a table and there's kind of some limitations to that, right?
1: Right, yeah. I think the only other one that I was kind of thinking of is um, we have done games over like Zoom where we're playing the Mm. physical game. We have two physical copies of the game set up and then over like a, a video chat medium we're playing. I didn't necessarily think we would spend much time or any at all talking about that, but I just wanted to highlight that as... We have done that, and we have called those like virtual game nights before. But that's not necessarily what I wanted to structure this episode around. Is that fair? Right.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that is fair. I think that ha- is extremely limiting and extremely difficult, and can be even very frustrating. Um, you're yep. You know, most of the time when we play those, we recognize like this is no longer a competitive game, um, because <laughs> one or one or more of the players just will not have the required visibility. Um, right to to be very competitive in it. In that vein, I have played personally Axis and Allies over a Google sheet. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> that so sounds awful. we had one person. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. So we had one person who had the game physically set up, and then we had like a Google sheet that had the territories and the units listed, and then we used like a like a random dice simulator or something to simulate that's battles, insane. and and it was just it was hard. We did it because half the (laughs) people playing were on a car ride. And so it was like was like a very long car ride. It was like 12 hours. It was a way to kill time. Um, so that part of it was like kind of fun so you um, got through three turns right <laughs> no we did actually finish the game um, but but I, again that was like we we recognize going into we're doing this for fun um, we're not trying to be super hyper competitive here because it just it's, it's extremely limiting so i i agree i would say that's out of scope um it, it can be done you're gonna have to find your own way to do it and whatever works for you and your team um, but we have a lot more to talk about just within tabletop simulator tabletopia and like applications both mobile and um and and like steam or computer-based or whatever um that i think we have a, we have a, we have enough there to cover yeah let's start the conversation since we just came out of the icebreaker talking about game nights let's talk about specifically game nights implemented in, in the virtual space we have talked a lot we host a virtual game night um on the second saturday of the month we host it through our discord you wouldn't actually technically need to be within the discord to play on it um, but that that's kind of like where we organize it um, if, you, if you wanted to like Chat with us, right? Be in voice call with us. That would definitely be through our Discord. But you could also just log. So we could. Ha- we haven't done this, but someone theoretically could just log into like a tabletop simulator lobby and like text chat with us through the lobby or something like that. Um, but so far, everyone um, who has participated has been a part of the Discord. Some of the. I guess, challenges with that. Let's start there. Um, I think the advantages are obvious. That's why, like, the advantages are that we can play with people from all over the world. And we have. We have people who are playing from Brazil. We have people who are playing from Europe. um, And we have people, obviously, ourselves and others playing from the Americas. The struggle becomes... I think, first of all, timing. That was the, kind of the first thing that came to my mind. Um, when we talk about scheduling, um, we're playing with all different sorts of time zones. And some of that's like our own challenges, right? That's just that we yeah, have yeah. this really wide group of people who are playing. But but time zones. And and so we're kind of like, okay, when do we need to start? When do we need to end? Our our kind of window of opportunity is maybe a little bit more limited than would be in, like, if everybody just lives in the same town and you can all show up and then drive home, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So yeah. double-edged sword there.
0: Another one that comes to mind, I think I think you yourself and some others in the icebreaker responses had highlighted kind of the enjoyment of the communal, like, let's figure out what we want to play tonight and, and kind of this like, oh, hey, I'd like to get a game started of this. Like, oh, I'd love to do that. Um, the way we kind of do that is we send out a survey. We figure out what people would like to play. And then we get like sent out a survey, a second survey with preferences of, hey, here's, I would like to, I would, would or would not like to play this game. And then we kind of organize tables that way. But all of it's kind of like done beforehand. Um, so it's kind of, it can feel more like where in a, in a larger game night, it feels like, oh, 12 people are hanging out, right? Because everybody's in this same room. You're just in different parts of the room, but you can hear their voices. You feel very communal. In this virtual space, you feel more like you're kind of isolated to your own table. Right. You're only kind yeah. of playing with, like, the three or four people who are at that table. And in order to, like, hear what's going on the other tables, you have to, like, leave your voice lobby and go into theirs.
1: Yeah. Which is nice to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Like when, when a game ends, like we have people jump into a different lobby, ask, you know, hey, how, long, how much longer do you have? And so this happened in our last game night where we were playing a game of Marvel Champions. The other table finished, and they wanted to play a game with us afterwards. So they hopped in. They asked us how long we had left. We were like, ah, oh, probably about 30 minutes. So they left, and there were just two of them remaining. So they played a game of Seven Wonders Duel that ended right about the same time as we did, and then we were able to play together. And so that was nice. You, you had mentioned kind of how we set up game nights um, uh-huh. where you kind of know what you're playing before or a couple of hours before we actually sit down and get into the lobby to play. So this, this provides a benefit where we will always have someone at the table that is willing and able to teach the rules for players who come mm-hmm. in. But usually um, a lot of the players have already you know they know we're playing the galleries tonight so they go in and they do a rules kind of review and they understand the rules as they're coming in which I think is a benefit because you can really yep. hit the ground running in, in this space that, that is definitely not required to participate it's just a, another benefit that we have seen that you know when people come over to play a, a physical copy of the game and we decide 10 minutes before we're actually playing they don't have that opportunity to go learn the rules on their own
0: yeah, that's a good point. Um, another like benefit um, we don't talk a ton about, but when you show up to a board game night, there is an enormous like cost of investment there, right? Like typically there has to be like a like one or a couple people who like already have a really large board game collection, yeah, um, because and, and like because just because everybody has to. Or, or everybody shows up with what they have, right? But you look around and it's like, man, there's like a, there's like over $1,000 worth of board games in this room <laughs> right now. You know, like it yeah. can get really yeah. expensive and virtual gaming is not that way. Um, and that, that can be really, really nice um, that we, you know, a lot of times when people kickstart things now, um, if it's a big developer or whatever, they want to generate some interest for it. A lot of times they will actually put out a tabletop or tabletopia mod so that people can try the game. Right, and and so now we're able to actually play games that aren't even out yet um, in our virtual game nights. We're able to uh, play games that are like really expensive. Um, just cost of ownership is really expensive. Maybe there's a lot of expansions or something, or we want to try expansions. You know, it's a great space to just kind of like try some of that out, and then you can go buy the game later if you liked it. Yep. Um, but that like it really because we, we've all done this, right? We've all purchased a game that we had high hopes for and it just didn't play out. And then you're like, well, crap. Now yep. I spent like 40, 50, $60 on this game that I'm probably was only a one-time play because it's just not my favorite. Um, yep. That kind of eliminates some of that uh, trial and error a little bit for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think every single one of our game nights so far that we have hosted has been through Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm interested in talking with you kind of about some good and bad implementations of different games in app or TTS form. Uh, Uh One thing that I wanted to just kind of put out there, kind of talking about the entire virtual game nights or virtual gaming as a whole is that I have, and I, I don't know if this is just me specifically, but I have a harder time playing heavier games um, on these specifically like tabletop simulator, because if there's a lot of little things to move, I typically get, frustrated more easily where it's you know like the tactile nature of moving a bunch of ships in twilight imperium is a lot easier than you know dragging highlighting the 14 different ships to move them in to a um to an adjacent space and so i have a harder time with heavier games with a lot of chits and then also more strategic games i for whatever reason i am able to think better if i stand up and like take a step back Mm. from the table and i will physically do this in a a game night where I'll take a step back or I'll cover my eyes to cover my peripherals, which helps me focus. And with like a TTS or an app, I just, I can't do that. Like there is no physical distancing. I guess you can like zoom out, but like that just doesn't help me because then I can't read anything. So, uh, (laughs) so I find that like I, my enjoyment of virtual games is significantly higher
0: for the lower complexity games typically. Yeah. It seems like to me in many games, there is less downtime. That is not true, like, overall, I think. I I think we have some games that we would actually, if given the option, even if we were all in person, we might just sit down and play on our phones instead of, like, actually pulling the game (laughs) out, right? Through the ages maybe might be an example of that. For the most part, um, in virtual games, because the user interface just does slow things down, there's typically higher downtime. That can lead to, I think, people wanting to spend more time thinking about their turns because it feels like it takes so long to do that they want to get it right. And there's less of an instinct to just act, you know, because it's so hard to act. They want to, like, make sure that they're doing the right thing. And so that kind of can exacerbate that problem where, like, now people are taking a long time to think. And so it's something you can definitely be intentional about and get past. Like, you can be with a group that says, like, hey, guys, you know, um, we're going to try to really be really intentional about holding each other accountable to taking turns. You know, we're going to try and help each other to move. There's a lot of things to move around. Um, We've done that type of thing for Twilight Imperium before. Um, where it's like hey i'm gonna like do this can somebody that means i'm moving all of these things over here can somebody do that for me because like yeah. I, okay you know yeah. like uh, cool. i have to go do these other things and i only have one mouse um <laughs> and, and and we've done that and that that is helpful um, but you just have to be like really open with that communication and really honest and even have some intentional conversations with new players and um in in a game night you can do this around like hey i know we typically would encourage people to take as long as they need because we do want people to be enjoying the game we want them to be thinking about it however We would love to be able to play a second game tonight. If this takes three hours, we're not going to be able to do that. We would really appreciate if people just try to, you know, just try to be good about, you know, moving intentionally and taking their turns um, intentionally. Not like quickly, right? Not expeditiously, but just kind of like with intention and not increasing the downtime too much. Especially because it can be so hard to have like those side conversations that make in-person games more fun.
1: Yep. That's, that's the exact point that I was about to bring up is that with a virtual game night, because you're all in this same chat lobby, you can't like whisper to one person. And so like this really kind of, I think hurts like the Twilight Imperiums, the Game of Thrones, where there is that kind of like political maneuvering that players are Mm -hmm. doing. I guess you can like type out and like, I think we've done this before. And like, we, you know, said this at the beginning of the game, like you can direct message people, but Mm -hmm. like, you don't, (laughs) but like, One of the things that people have said and that what I really enjoy, the game is a conduit for the interactions that I'm having with my friends. And I feel like in a virtual game night, it's harder and you have to be more intentional to talk with people about things that aren't necessarily the game. Because when it gets to their turn, they are very intentional and they need to take a turn, think through their actions. And I cannot talk to you when Amram's taking a turn because that's going to distract everyone more. And so I think um, I've been trying to get better at this and talk to people during the game uh, on like in a virtual game night about not necessarily the game, like because I want to interact with you. I want to talk with you. It's just hard to try to find that balance so that you are able to carry on those conversations that I enjoy so much without being a detriment to the gameplay.
0: Yeah, I would say in my experience, um, video helps with that a lot it's something i've considered just in my like desktop computer does not have a camera and so it's something that i've really considered investing in because we can do like uh, again we organize through discord um and discord will allow you to do like video chatting um it has like a video feature um and when i was playing um A lot of dominion virtually um with during during covid with my work group we were playing dominion virtually and and we always had our cameras on um and i i couldn't because i didn't have one but everyone else did and that really i think impacted the level of like non-game interactions right because there's now that like you're speaking to me you can read my facial expressions i can like respond without actually making noise you know like i can yeah i can like laugh and like you know it it's obvious you you like kind of join in that um, enjoyment without like distracting totally from the game. So that if you are organizing one, I think that's it was something that has been on my mind to try and take us in the in the and Flights game night to take us towards that. Um, I just kind of felt like I needed to get one first to kind of lead by example, right? Otherwise, it's a little bit hypocritical, right? Yeah. Um, but if you are organizing your own, that was that's something I would definitely recommend if you have that option.
1: That's a that's a really good point. I I I see that, and it seems so obvious, but I just never really thought about it.
0: Right. It does require sometimes a second monitor. That's the other thing. Because the simulators yeah. we play on are typically full screen. So that's the other thing that can be really limiting, right? You like kind of have to have a second way. Of, or right. you just have to tab in and out, you know, or yeah. exit the full screen or something like that.
1: Yeah. Or, like, I'm usually calling in through my phone. And so, mm. like, that has video capabilities. If I can create a stand for it, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. That's like a good I, point. I think that we should try and encourage that more, especially in, our, sure. in our monthly game nights. Because I think that would really add to the experience. For sure. For sure. All right, you wanna talk about some of the good and bad implementations of these uh
0: virtual games? Right. This is where we uh we get to like maintain our reputations as critics, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what is what is good and bad. I would say it, it must be really hard, right? <laughs> I am not a yes. programmer, There's a, but there's a ton to consider. Again, the, the programmers themselves have to understand the game very well. They have to understand not just like the mechanics, but also like what do players want to see and how do they want that information presented to them? If you're going to walk through a tutorial like you were talking about, like what's the best way to do that? So, And, and also like there's things to consider of like, okay, now you have a multiplayer when somebody isn't at the table, right? So if yep. it is a... If it's a single-player solitaire game, that's not such a big deal. But if you get into really interactive games, you need people to be able to, like, take their turns at the same time. And if it's, like, a pass-and-play type thing or a, you know, I take my turn and you can take your turn whenever, then, like, there has to be some really smart adjustments, right? So there's a lot yep. to think about here.
1: I think that Through the Ages has the most incredible app implementation in the sense of I don't know if I would play a physical copy of Through the Ages. Like my wife right. and I, when we say we are going to play Through the Ages tonight, we play on our iPads. We do not pull out the game of Through the Ages. It speeds up the game, which is something that is uncommon. Usually, you know, yeah. we were talking about we think that these take longer times. This actually speeds up the game. It takes it from a seven-hour game down to... An hour and a half game, like it, yeah. which is incredible, um, and it, it does some really smart things with kind of bidding. Uh, they change the rules a little bit. Like you can play the mobile rules, but it is a pass and play. So like we we are playing a game right now. Like the three of us, my wife and you, are playing a game, and I just get a notification. Yeah. Hey, it's my time to take a turn. It gives an awesome recap of both of the turns. That you guys have just mm-hmm. taken, and I realize how bad I am at the game when I'm looking at I know, right? The we get to just watch your wife like pull ahead every <laughs> <Yeah>. turn. <laughs> Wee! It's bye. Bye, guys. Well, there she goes. <laughs> yeah, cool. And so now I'm just trying to compete to not lose by that much. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, i like, turn four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I I think that through the ages does a great job. I just want I we needed to talk about it, so let's just get yeah. it out in the open. Let's just talk about that. Um, Absolutely, about it's a phenomenal implementation. Highly yeah. recommend playing or buying Highly. that app. It's on Android yeah. and iOS. It's cross platform and yep, really um, smooth. If, and if you download it, play with us because like it's it's an awesome game, and you can have multiple games going on at once. I usually don't yeah. like to have more than two because it really starts to mess with my head. Um, yeah. But like that is something that we have talked about wanting to do is just not necessarily on game night, but just have a uh, continuous game uh, going of through the ages for different people. And so yeah, for sure that, that, that that's the best implementation. For me
0: yeah I, I would totally agree I, I don't think of my list as I was thinking about as like I don't think I have a mobile implement, implementation or even just an app implementation that tops through the ages it also has a it has really really good AIs which I don't know how they did that because <laughs> it is such an incredibly complicated game like I, I don't and they don't they do it without like giving the AI any sort of advantage that you know at least that we can tell like they don't have any resource advantage certainly I don't know if they have access to like information advantage at all. Because there is some hidden information in Through the Ages. Um, right. So I don't know if they're making decisions based on that. Um, but they, like, they're, like, expert-level AIs are, like, hard. Like, really, yeah. really hard to beat. Yeah. Um, and then there's a great, like, sort of challenge mode where it just, it will put, it will change game rules a little bit. It'll, like, say, like, oh, these things score slightly differently. Or, like, you start with this disadvantage relative to these, um, to these AIs and you have to figure out how to beat them. And so it yeah. just kind of like adds to like the solo play aspect of like oh I'm not just going to beat up on an AI first of all because like I said that's really hard to do, um, mm-hmm. on like the on the expert levels, um, but also because uh, there's like there's this wealth of challenges that you can kind of play through and challenge yourself and think of the game in, as almost like a puzzle right it's like these slightly different yeah. how, how might I play through this and because the AIs are so fast you can finish a game in like maybe thirty minutes or so yeah um, yeah, which is really rewarding
1: to get to get that heavy of a game knocked out in under an hour is just I, I don't know how they did it like yeah I. <laughs> and then also yeah. all the stats that they give you at the end of the game is, are really cool you can kind of go in Those and like cool, see yeah. exactly where you lost um, and so that's <laughs> kind of interesting and
0: fun oh that's the area where I started to mess up <laughs> yeah um, and yeah. I think like we said I yeah. think it makes it faster because there is so much tedious manipulation in through the ages yes. um, yeah that there's the, all these tiny little pieces little resources you got to move around in certain ways and it's It's the critique that we've talked about in the game before that that part can be a little bit clunky and a little like, I don't know if it's even poorly implemented, but it's just like not natural. And so it's really nice that the game just like does that for you, that it manages specifically happiness, right? That's the main one (laughs) where you're like, I don't (laughs) fully understand. Even though I understand the game, I still don't always know how (laughs) happiness works. Right, right. Um, The other game that kind of came to mind in terms of like really heavy games that are implemented is Terra Mystica. That has a really, I would say it's not as good. Yeah, it's done by Digitized, and I feel like I've played other things by them. I think they did Oceans. Oh, I've heard that. Don't good. quote me on that, but which I don't know if I can even say that because like this is a podcast. It's supposed to be a reliable source of information. But anyway, <laughs> just don't quote me on that thing specifically, specifically. Um, but Terra Mystica, it's a really complicated game. Again, it is done well. I don't think it's done excellently, but it's done well. There are some like there's some iconography that they chose in the mobile app. Um, that isn't necessarily natural. Like once you learn it, it's like, oh, okay, that's what they mean. But it's not like board game iconography that's like transitioned over. It's like, oh, there's this menu that will show you this type of information. And what is in that menu is super helpful. It's like, oh, here's where all the players are on these different things and where you stand or what you... And it's like, oh, okay, that's great information. But it made it like you have to remember that that's what that icon means. I think if I remember right, the tutorial was just kind of okay. Um, But my biggest complaint is that they haven't figured out how to make like a really hard AI. And so they have like in there they have like easy I think they have like easy medium and then they have like a space for hard AI and if you click on it they're like (laughs) we don't have this and then you like go to the website and they're like we haven't figured it out yet Um, because it's such a it's a game that has a ton of options Um, I think through the ages that maybe one reason they were able to do it is your action pool is a little bit more limited in through the ages right Um, there's only a handful of like things that you I mean there's it's not a handful that's a poor way to say it Terra Mystica is a more abstract game maybe is one way to think about it and sometimes it can feel like oh there's I have a lot of areas where I could start to move into like physically on the board and that has a lot of impl- a lot of implications and they just haven't quite maybe figured that out yet but if you already like the game it's a great implementation of it um, you can play with friends it, it'll do all of those things for you there it does speed up certainly things like setup some things about like the individual turns. Um, like finding the little tile about what exactly I'm trying to terraform to and stuff yeah. and like that can be really fast. Um, it does a good job of showing you like, here are your available actions on this turn, which I really like. So it's like, here are like, if you can't do something, it's like got it X'd out. And so you can like open up the action wheel basically. And it's like, Oh, I can only do like two things. Like that's really <laughs> like, yeah. you know, helpful to be able to just like process through. So interesting. Um, so yeah, so I, I just looked it
1: up. I just looked it up. Apparently, it is available for iOS. For some reason, I was thinking it was not. Um, oh, so, okay. so that's exciting. So I, I, I may have to look into getting that. Um, yeah. Does it have like a asynchronous option? Or do you have to, if you're playing, if me and you are playing, do you have to be sitting down at the same time and playing it? Or is it kind of like a Through the Ages where it pins you into your turn and you can go?
0: It is asynchronous. Um, if you think about Terra Mystica, there's really nothing that you have to do on somebody else's turn, except for if they build next to you. Then you have to like choose whether or not to like gain... Like mana or whatever it's called from right. that. Right. Okay. Um, so it just gives it. It just gives you that option at the start of your turn when it does like the turn recap. It's like, oh, do you did you want to gain from this or not? And so if you're asynchronous, you'd have to like if you're the active player, you just have to continue knowing without knowing what those other players decided to do. But like typically, that's not really super impacting your turn. Right. Like the decisions you're making cool. on your turn anyway. So yeah, a couple oh, of like uh, changes in in that sense, but overall, pretty. Uh, it's a pretty solitaire game, so it transitions pretty smoothly to like an asynchronous play. The
1: spiritual successor to Terra Mystica is Gaia Project, which is a game that I have played mm. um, a good bit. I, I love Gaia Project. It, it's one of my top five games of all time. Uh, I played a implementation on a website called Board Gamers, and it was okay. 2D implementation of the game, right? Like, <laughs> like they draw, like, a mm-hmm. little square if you had a, you know, satellite in that tile. Like, you could run this thing on a computer that was... 15 years old. Like, the <laughs> rules implementation was phenomenal. It was just a very poor, like, like user experience. Yeah, like graphics so, interface. like, yeah. it's not going to teach you the game. The graphics are awful. It was really easy to play, really interesting. But, like, it's kind of interesting to hear that contrast from Terra Mystica, which is the older game, and they don't have necessarily that for a Gaia project yet. But, like, I, I wanted to talk about that because that was one of my examples of a bad implementation.
0: But yeah, I think you bring up a good category there. There's a lot of... I think sort of, I'm going to use the word cheap. I don't mean that as a detriment. I mean that as like, typically they are like low resource-based implementations. Like it might just be like one person or it might be like a a small group. Um, So they've implemented a game like on a website or something. Um, and like you said in a very 2D fashion like it's just going to put the information in front of you Um, there's an application for for access analysis very much that way Um, there's an an application for 18 Chesapeake that's very much that way that we're actually going to be using I think we've talked about this before um, that we're going to be using coming up um, in a couple weeks um, a game we've organized over the discord that is very helpful right it it does because it does a lot of the math for you it it puts a lot of um, it helps kind of organize the information but you kind of have to know the game already because it's first of all like you said it's not going to have a tutorial Um, all of those kind of extras have been stripped out. Um, and if you don't know the game, then understanding what the unif- user interface is trying to tell you can be a bit challenging.
1: Yeah, I I had that down. It's 18xx.games. So that mm-hmm. that's kind of like the holy grail of 18xx. Which like, yeah. to be fair, that quality in quality and that 2D implementation online is not that big of a downgrade than an actual physical copy of an 18xx game. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there is that. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It's something to be looking out for when you're looking at a tabletop simulator mod. And when I say, like, mod, um, mm-hmm. tabletop simulator is an environment that people can create in. And so mm-hmm. they will create a mod for Marvel Champions, which you can load, and it kind of does all the setup for you. There are good and bad mods, right? So, yes. And sure. what's really nice is that they give a, a, a rating of mods. Like, users can vote on how good a mod is. So when you're when you're looking at your options, there may be four or five different Marvel Champions options. Look for the one with the highest rating that we find.
0: I would say the highest rating and the most like subscribes, right? Because yeah, 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 um, yeah, It's nice that they use subscribe because it's not a download, it's not a one-time thing. A subscribe means that I clicked on that and I continued to use it. Um, and so like yeah. I've gone in and been like I didn't like this one and I unsubscribe and subscribe to a new one so that I have like a different Terraforming Mars mod or whatever right Um, and so that could be a really good indication of like okay 15,000 people are currently using this like this is probably pretty pretty (laughs) effective We'll be fine if you can't find something on uh, a simulator um, a lot of times some of the big implementers um, I know fantasy flights is guilty of this for for the for those big games they will basically sue or whatever to remove their IP from the Um, simulator space a lot of times they will do that specifically if they have another online implementation available and they're wanting people to purchase it and so they're wanting to remove that option Um, and so then it's it's one of those it's a bit of a -a whack-a-mole right a lot of times sometimes yeah a lot of times a user will like just create a new one um, and and try to put that out there but just be aware of that not everything is available on those like simulator spaces and sometimes that's the fault of the of the publisher um, because they're actively removing it so if that's the case it just means that you might have to search outside of the simulator, search like directly on Steam or search on the internet and see if they have their own implementation of it. And if not, then you're just going to play a different game. They just don't get your business now.
1: Okay, so I want to touch on this real quick because I have mixed feelings about all of that because Mm -hmm. I think that having those free implementations out there probably actually drive sales. Like you've seen what they've done on Kickstarter where Mm -hmm. a lot of the more successful Kickstarters have a BGA implementation where players can go trial the game and then buy it. I mean, it's a big investment, like $60 is a a lot of money, especially if you don't know if you're going to like it. And so if you have the opportunity to try a free version. I think a lot of people in the space will then uh, give them their patronage at that point um, if they do really enjoy the game. And so I I like the free implementation, but I 100% get it from a business standpoint why they would want to remove it if they have like a, a paid version out there.
0: I think living card games can really suffer from that because it is like they want people to purchase the content that comes out um, so frequently. And if they can just get it online, then that kind of like cuts their sales out from under them a little bit. Um, Where people are like, oh, we'll just play it online together and and, and now that can start to hurt them. Um, I had some other like mobile apps um, that I've really enjoyed.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Uh,
0: Because I I do
1: actually very little mobile app gaming outside of like through the ages. And so I'm excited to hear kind of what you enjoy. Because I don't know why I just I just don't do it, and so I mean. I'm oh, I can tell you hear. why.
0: It's because you have someone in your household who will play board games with you. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> that, I mean, that, okay, okay, two shades, two sir. Right, because when you order a game, you can you can play it multiple times, um, just like on weeknights or on weekends. Um, and not all of us have that blessing, so I, I play a lot of um, fair, not a lot, but I, I do. You know, once a month or something, I'll pick up a new mobile game. I'm just kind of allowing myself that like five dollar purchase once a month. It's like I know I'm going to get the content out of it. I know I'm going to enjoy it or if it's the one is getting a little stale now I have like a little bit of a library I can pull out some old ones That's awesome. When we had um, McKay for the board game critic on during our expansions episode he uh, touted Mystic Veil. Vale. and I think we've talked about this a little bit it is another it would be close behind I would think through the ages in implementation I think it's probably between okay. Terra Mystica and Through the Ages oh, wow. in implementation okay. because it, Mystic Veil vale is a deck builder it doesn't always need To be at at the table, interactive, right? So it has a really good asynchronous um, play style. Um, It does a good job. It's like really just visually very well implemented it's really pretty it has some really pretty artwork and animations and things like a card comes in and it has a little sparkle a little swoosh or whatever just like some (laughs) of those like nice little touches again it does really good job with putting information in front of you and helping you see kind of what you need to see it's a simpler game than through the ages so i think they weren't maybe as challenged to do that but they still did it very well for what it is good and then lastly they do have some really good ais that you can play against not maybe quite the like level of kind of challenges that through the ages has where it's like putting different puzzles in front of you. It doesn't really have that. It doesn't really have like a solo career or story type mode, which some um, mobile apps do. But if you are looking for maybe something that's a little bit more medium weight than through the ages, you know, you can finish a game of mystic veil here in 15, 20 minutes on the app. Just kind of clicking through it. Awesome. Yeah. So really cool, but that one's hard too. Cause it is so like rewarding to physically own mystic veil.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: It's so pretty.
1: With the with the card construction and everything, yeah.
0: So pretty, so tactile. You know, you kind of like lose out on that, that element of it.
1: I guess I do have like one that I played a lot, and I've kind of fallen off. But I did buy the that's pretty clever app implementation. It was like a dollar ninety nine oh, yeah. or ninety nine cents or something for on sale one time, and that that actually. It's a very good implementation in the sense of like it highlights kind of where you can place your dice and so it like really you can oh, knock nice. out a game of that in like 6 minutes now. And so that, that that's good. It was it was cheap. I haven't tried the multiplayer, it's only been solo, but like I you know I probably have over 50 games of that played just on the app. Mm. I mean that that's another one that I would recommend yeah. if you were interested in that. I know we talked about that a couple of episodes ago.
0: I got a lot of traction from Star Realms as a mobile app. Yeah. Um, and that's another that's like, pretty affordable. I think it was only like two or three bucks. They do charge you for like expansions and you kind of run out of content pretty quickly in the game. And so I think you like start to want to spend a dollar or two to like get these little expansions and have access to more cards. But another one with really great story mode, really great AI. Another I guess another one that has taken a lot of a lot more time, honestly, than I really initially thought it would it would. It yeah. definitely earned it's three dollars or whatever I spent on the initial <laughs> yeah, purchase. Right?
1: Um one one of my my friends is huge in the star realms, uh, both mobily and physically. And he's, he really enjoys the app. He thinks that the app is amazing, but I mean, he's won mm. multiple tournaments and everything. And so to have, I, I've played the app a couple of times. Um, it's not something that's really dragged me in, but to have yeah. praise from someone who is a very competitive player is also always a good sign. Yeah, for sure.
0: I also wanted to mention Tokaido. I would made that as a recommendation. Yeah. Um, a little while ago, and that's a really easy, lightweight. It's another one I think is very rewarding to physically own, um, because it makes a great gameplay yeah, game. it's very pretty. It makes yeah, it's very pretty. Um, it's great to like lay out on a table and look at. But it's a really nice um, mobile implementation with some really good graphics, um, because it is such a pretty game. They're really bringing that in. It has some really good animations where, like, as you move your little traveler or you know, vacationer or whatever you want to call them, uh, like as you move them across the board, they're like kind of physically like oh, of walking awesome. across the board, yeah. you know. Um, and, like, as they walk, like, the stuff that they have on their back kind of, like, swings back and forth and everything. So, it's, like, <laughs> it's real cute and nice. Yeah. Um. And, uh, and another one that it's, like, this could be a really long game, but implemented um, mobily is, like, you know, maybe 15 minutes or whatever, 20 minutes. It's it's oh, pretty yeah, quick that's to, awesome. like, get through. Yeah. Um, so, I would think if you like that game, that's a good one to pick up. I, I think I had gotten it on sale. I don't remember how much the original purchase was, you know, because I wouldn't spend, like, eight bucks on it or something. Um. But if you could right. pick it up for, like, three to five, you'd probably get your money's worth out of it. Awesome.
1: You know, now, now that we're having these conversations, I'm starting to think of all of the actual mobile games that I have played in my life. <laughs> like, they're yeah. all starting to come back to me. And, and one that, that really stands out is Summoner Wars from Platt Hat Games. And so, Summoner Wars 2.0 just released, like, I think this week, or a couple of weeks ago. And so, mm-hmm. it, it's very new. It's the second edition, revised art, rule changes everything. They also have an online implementation of that, uh, which is currently in beta form. But it so far, it seems pretty okay. I, I There are some bugs to work out and everything, but the first edition of the game had a iOS implementation and, and an Android implementation, which is, I believe, still available. But mm. I played that game a lot. Like, I have on on multiplayer, I think I have over a thousand games just on mm-hmm. online games. Uh, but that, that was a really good implementation. You could build your decks, load them in. It's a living card game, so you could alter and then play Multiple games at a time, kind of asynchronously. It would kind of ping you. And it was, I don't think I really ever ran into any bugs or anything. The, I guess the downside is that the, um, the AIs were not good in that game. Like it it was, it was never a challenge to play an AI. Maybe that will be different with second edition, but I'm still learning the user interface because I played my first game like last week. So, and that, that is not iOS. That is specifically a web based implementation which i think was a miss
0: on their part i would much rather have
1: an ios or a uh, a tablet version of it
0: yeah i I could agree that 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 does make sense playing over a web app makes me feel like i'm going to play at a computer and if i'm going to be playing at a computer then i might as well just like organize a game and play with my friends over like a simulator exactly Um, I use like mobile apps for like when I'm taking a break at work or sitting at lunch yeah. or something, you know, but I, I need that it's on my phone like that. That can be really important. Absolutely. Um, the other time I actually use uh, mobile apps a lot as we're talking about, it made me think of sitting in like being in line. Right. So like just being in line anywhere, like at, <laughs> Oh a, yeah. I think okay. specifically of like, um, like theme parks, like roller coasters where you're like standing in line a lot. Yeah. Um, they can they can be really fun as just like a, hey I have this on my phone let's just pass and play. I remember like early in college doing that with like Risk implementations. Yep. But now since then, um, there's a I think three come to mind that are really good like two player pass and play. Patchwork has it has a decent um, mobile app. Um, Hive has a decent mobile app and then Onitama. Um, so if any of those three, um, they're all pretty lightweight right all pretty much in like a 20 minute kind of time frame. Um, but like decent strategy, right. And have a lot of replayability, um, for like two players. So I remember like being at a theme park with my, uh, uh like, uh, maybe two months ago with my girlfriend's nephew. Um, and he was really into board games and that's what we would do while we like sat in, like the whole family was at the theme that's park, awesome. but he, we were the two that were yeah. into board games. Right. So we would sit there and just kind of pass, um, some of these like kind of quicker mobile, mobile apps back and forth. And that was, oh, really that's fun. awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. love that. I love that so much. But yeah, I think that's, that's probably a good place to wrap this conversation all about virtual games is um, and and kind of like, you know, put that call out there, like kind of two options, right? You have a lot of these apps have a random pairing, so you can go out there and you can play with a random person. And like specifically in Summoner Wars, I would do this where, you know, I would match randomly with a player and then we played a hundred games, right? Like we, we just kept going back and forth and kept playing. And I feel like I know this person now, right. Or like specifically for our game night. So Join our Discord, and we will teach you and play games with you, and we want to play games with you, both on our monthly game nights, which is the second Saturday of every month, or, like, anytime now. Like, we're organizing games outside of those. We have ongoing app games going on. And so... If that's something that sounds interesting to you, uh, you can join our Discord. That's gonna There's going to be a link in the uh, show description. As well, if, if you go to our website, it'll be an icon in the top right corner. So mm-hmm. you can head on over there, join our Discord. Some of the other ways that you can reach out to us are uh, mainly Instagram and now YouTube. I'm doing some streaming of some living card games. So we, we'd love to connect and talk with you. And so we, we hope to do that here soon. Absolutely. So, I think that's kind of all I had prepared, if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about.
0: Right. No, I think that's it for us tonight.
1: Excellent. Well, cheers, buddy. Cheers.